The following podcast contains spoilers for Jungle and They Shall Not Grow Old. You have been warned. everybody to Keystone Film Review, the podcast where we talk about our bodies, <laughs> sexual intentions, and mostly movies. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So, Michael, hello. How hello. are you, buddy? I'm <laughs> all right, just uh, coming off of some food poisoning. Oh, no? Is that, um, is that what, we- uh, what's going down this weekend? Yeah, my weekend's been pretty great, uh, you know. I had a bad day at work on Friday, and then I came home and just got deathly ill. That sucks, man. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Luckily, it's not. It's it was just like a twenty-four hour thing. Phew. But uh, what about you? Uh, you know, living the dream here. I'm living the dream. I'm eat, eating some tea, some earth drink. Mm-hmm. What? You know, some water. Yeah. Nothing's changed. I'm the same old, same old. Have you seen any movies this week? I've seen our picks. That is about it. I wanted to see uh, Shin Godzilla. I was hoping to see that. Oh, uh, yeah. Amazon's got that for rent for like $6. And I was like, <laughs> my old cheap bones couldn't yeah. do it. Even I haven't seen this ma- that many movies this, this week. The only thing I really saw was called The Death of Stalin, hmm. uh, by uh, directed by Armando Iannucci, who uh, most people probably know from Veep. Um, the, the HBO TV show. Yeah. Uh, and it's starring a whole bunch of people. You got, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, uh, Steve Semi, Michael Palin, uh, just a whole bunch of people playing communist <laughs> Russians. And it's, it was actually quite funny and dark and funny dark and stuff like that. That's cool. But yeah, that's all I saw. So quick intro. <laughs> 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 so let's get into it, shall we? We'll start with my movie from last week, which was called Jungle. I was desperate to escape the well-worn path. Work, marriage, kids, not me. I wanted to experience the extraordinary, which is why I ended up in the jungle. This is my friend, Yossi Ginsburg. Good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. I told my parents I'd be back in a year, but I don't think I'm ever going back. There's nothing like the jungle at night. Insects, birds, it's like they're screaming at you. And then suddenly, it's just you and whatever you came looking for. You want to be like every other tourist? Anybody can go to Machu Picchu. But the jungle, this guy can take us there. How do you know that Carl is telling the truth? That's why you're here, the hidden world. Perfectly balanced. The problem is us with the cancer. Starring Daniel Radcliffe, a group of friends join a guide for a trek into the Bolivian jungle searching for an Indian village. The men soon realize that the jungle is a difficult place to be. Yeah. It's directed by Greg McLean, uh, written by Justin Monjo, based on the book by Yossi Ginsberg, who Daniel Radcliffe plays Yossi Ginsberg. So this mm-hmm. is based on a true story. Uh, other than Daniel Radcliffe, we have uh, Luis Jose Lopez... Well, hold on, let me get into that. That guy's not one of the main guys. I was going to say, it's uh, Tico. Yeah. Although he he was a pretty pretty big guy. Where's Kevin on this list? Kevin does not get top billing at all. He gets the rest of the cast listed yeah. alphabetically. Where's the Where's the guy from Chronicle? <laughs> so we have uh, Joel Jackson, Thomas Kretschmann, and Alex Russell. 
Uh, yeah. So uh, that's jungle. That is what jungle. You, what did you <clears throat> think of it, Glenjamin? Uh, well, for me, um, I didn't know it was a true story until the end of the movie, where they kind of they kind of give you the whole gist of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, until that moment, uh, it that really changed the perspective of the movie for me. Yeah, I could see that. So, from what I was sitting here, just thought it was some guy lost in the jungle movie. And then it turns out to be a real movie. It kind of changes your perspective on it totally. Um, because until that moment, to me, it was kind of just, it wasn't boring, but it wasn't exactly the greatest thing. Um, but that's mainly because uh, uh, my dad basically grew me up on uh, watching shows like Man vs. Wild or mm-hmm. Dual Survival. So like... Every everything this guy's doing in this movie, I'm like, oh man, you gotta, you gotta stick to the facts, man. You gotta know, brother. You gotta do this, and <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do these things instead of those things. And yeah, um, but that, that's more or less my mentality. Uh, so it was a little, a little difficult for yeah. me trying to enjoy this movie more than I. To uh, the did. movie's defense, they never say that he is a survivalist. Yeah. Um, he's really just this this college age kid that gets thrown into this situation where he's forced to survive. Yeah, it's not, um, it never opens up with a title sequence going based on a true story. Yeah, and, and it's uh, I mean, even in uh, the the actual guy Joseph Ginsburg, he was just this guy that was kind of going on a uh, journey to find himself. You know that that cliche. Um, but I mean, it's a cliche that actually does happen. So it's yeah, not like that's, that's that's why the whole thing kind of changes your perspective. You're like, oh, well, yeah. it's real. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd kind of be like an eye roll kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, uh, they yeah, they go into the jungle, the Bolivian jungle to find themselves and essentially get uh, sold on the, the idea that they need to go on a rough camping journey trek through the jungle with this German uh, explore. To, to find some gold. Yeah, which you later find out he was a kind of a con man and uh, did that to multiple people. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's My whole problem with these kinds of movies, the, the whole, you know, white guy in a jungle, <laughs> more or less, <laughs> um, they can be done really well. Uh, and, and, and in different ways, like the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Werner Herzog movie, uh, Aguirre, Wrath of God. And then there's also that movie I told you, uh, I've told you about multiple times, Embrace of the Serpent, um, mm-hmm. where it's, it's really compelling and complex and not just this guy trying to survive. And, uh, also just a dumb white guy trying to survive in a place he has really no business being in, yeah. um, not not to say that he shouldn't have done it, but it's just it's just one of those things where it's just in today's world and you know with how the view of people, specifically white people, just going around acting like they own the place, um, it kind of just in a way felt like that. I know that it probably wasn't that way in real life, but it did kind of feel like that in the movie, where it's just like, oh yeah, this is. This is our world. We need to, uh, you know, explore it as much as we can. And because of that. Also, uh, Daniel Radcliffe's character, I don't think he was actually white. He was like Iranian. Yeah. I mean, Yossi Ginsberg, he was is 
uh, I think he's Israeli. Yeah, it's um, a, I, not but, to be a dick. I just don't yeah. remember which. <laughs> but uh, it's but because of this, another thing that happens in a lot of these movies, um, and some less than others, even even with Aguirre Wrath of God, the um, yeah, he's Israeli. The natives yeah. of the country just kind of become scenery. They don't become actual people. You know, they're just like a setting. And um, most movies do. Most movies with it where it's like Europeans or Americans yeah. wandering through a jungle, they do that where it's just, oh, these native people are just scenery. But um, Embrace of the Serpent actually has a very compelling character development for, you know, the main uh, native person in that movie. So having seen Embrace of the Serpent, this just seems like a very lack lackadaisical attempt at that same kind of movie. Yeah. Um, and again, like growing up on Man vs. Wild and stuff, I'm trying to like be like, oh, stop doing that. Like always, if you're ever lost in the jungle... And you have a tour guide with you, stick with the tour guide. Yeah, however, right. However, this movie, of course, has a little turn where the uh, the tour guide happens to be this con man, and uh, he takes people into the woods, and then who knows what happens mm-hmm. to them. So, uh, yeah. there's that. But always stick with your tour guide, man. Yeah, don't really. Just assume, <laughs> don't just assume you know where you're going. You're in a freaking jungle. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's everything. I was like, oh, come on, don't. Don't leave. It's so stupid. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then at one point, like he leaves the river, and I'm like, "Well, he's dead." <laughs> yeah, really. Like, he's, he, he's he, dead. He. Uh, so essentially, they, they um, the two, the uh, two main guys kind of separate from the third guy and the tour guide. And I mean, in a way, it was kind of good because as they reveal at the end credits that uh, Marcus, who is the third guy and the tour guide, were mm-hmm. never found. Yeah. Um, so they probably died, um, but they they separate and they they're trying to go down river at, on on this like little handmade raft, little, little shanty raft. <laughs> yeah, and go through rapids, and then they get separated because they they crash the raft, and uh, Daniel Radcliffe's character gets pulled down river even further. Um, and yeah, he he's he leaves the river. Like the last place you were known to be mm-hmm. was the river. Why would you leave the river? Well, even before that, like another thing, like don't he he decides to climb up this rock wall with wet boots and just like straight came out of the river and he's climbing this rock wall. I'm like, that's dumb. That's real dumb. You're gonna die faster yeah. right there than you are leaving the river. And <laughs> but. I'll try not to go into like every detail of where he fucked up in the movie, <laughs> but that was a huge one. I'm like, you're climbing a, a rock jagged wall. I mean, he did it granted, but he did it like soaking wet, which is a horrible thing to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, don't do it. Please. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, and I mean, again, they never, they never tried to say that he is a smart, at least survival wise. He's not yeah. a smart person. So it's it's not like just massive plot points of why would the survivalists be doing this. Um, but another thing that kind of bothered me about this is the movie supposed to take place in the 80s and it looks like it could be modern day. Oh, like there's, there's nothing about anyone's clothes or hair that that say the 80s. 
And I mean, I've seen better, um, you know, period dressing and and uh, hairstyling in trunk history reenactments than I have in this movie. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I guess I guess the only thing they really didn't do is they weren't on like phones or anything like that. So yeah. Like, but but still, even then, you couldn't tell. It just looked like a bunch of hipsters yeah. without phones. And I'm I'm not I'm not saying that they need to like have everyone's hair changed. The hair is probably the least important part. But like, mm-hmm. have like a uh, earth toned polo or something, uh, other than the flannel that they had. I mean, granted, what they were wearing could have been in the '80s, but it really just didn't yeah. read the way that I felt like it should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that was intentional. Uh, maybe it it was planned that way just so people could connect better to it. But I really felt like it did, it was more of a detriment than a um, you know a, a a help to it by by doing that. And you know, just a little a little tight polo shirt as they wore in the eighties would have gone a long way. <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, like the uh, the character. Uh, Marcus, right? Mm-hmm. The guy with the glasses. Um, they they just made him look like an average day hipster. Um, yeah. Like, I don't. I can't. I'm sure they showed a picture of him at the end. Um, I mean, the the actor looked like the dude. Um, but as far as a wardrobe goes, it everything looks like from now. Yeah. But, uh, still, I mean, it's picking details here. Mm. Picking details. It, it's it was um. um yeah, it just it, it didn't do it for me. <laughs> yeah, um, there is there's one thing most people will not enjoy about this movie, and that is the uh, the, the removal of a uh, a good old parasite or something. Oh yeah, in his forehead. How did honestly? I honestly probably was not paying attention when he got that parasite. How did he get well, it? He it never really showed how he like got it. But at one point, he does kind of crack his head in the riverbed. Yeah, uh, okay. when that's he's what getting I thought. tumbled down river. And also another thing, uh, instead of just going up river to try to find uh, Kevin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he just kind of treks into the jungle, and that was a point I forgot to make too. Uh, why not just go up river to find your buddy? But anyway, the parasite he did crack his head in the river at some point, and then it never really showed how he got it afterwards, but. I would assume one of the nights he was sleeping on the ground uh, didn't help. Yeah. But that never really just showed exactly what yeah. happened. I mean, that was a pretty, given the rest of the movie, a pretty impressive uh, effect with yeah. the, the parasite in the head. Um, it's real but, gross. So that's what I'm warning yeah. people. It's real gross. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of my problem with this is the character development for Daniel Radcliffe's character uh, was mostly done through like flashbacks and dream sequences and whatnot. Yeah. And that those whole, those montages were kind of awkward um, in, in both pacing and <laughs> they were just so different from the rest of the movie. Well, yeah, and, they, they and, made it, they made it like dream states. Like every yeah. time you went to sleep, they'd do a flashback like the like cliche that they do instead of just, you know, yeah. doing it. And beforehand. for some reason, almost every single one, or at least the uh, the hallucinations involved the topless girl for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and, and that yeah. that just seemed kind of gratuitous. I mean, they didn't show anything; it was just like her back and and turning and, to the side. But it, was, it just was, seemed unnecessary. Yeah, that was the one thing I was a little upset about. Like they 
they did remark on how there would be natives in this, these jungles, and then you finally come across one, and then she's a damsel in distress, basically. But I mean, then she's also a hallucination. Then, then she's though. a hallucination. Yeah. It would have been nice to actually see natives. I don't know if they actually did, but uh, but they kind of just throw it as a hallucination, as in instead of like him coming across more than just a person and him trying mm-hmm. to save that one person while trying to save himself. It would have been cool to see him hallucinating like a group of people thinking he was saved or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. it, the, the whole movie, especially the beginning, like uh, actually more so the beginning, the beginning of the film before, uh, you know, they actually get into the jungle with the, um, the the tour guide and and then gets separated subsequently uh it seemed somehow rushed but also slow yeah <laughs> like it, it was it 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 felt like there was a lot of pieces missing but also took way too much time to get there i don't know how that happened uh <laughs> but it, it, it was just something that kind of caught me off guard it's just yeah it's just it 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 didn't feel right pacing wise um and then once he you know got separated it did kind of pick up uh except for with the exception of the awkward flashbacks you Mm -hmm. know the pacing was pretty good um but that was more so just because they were so different from the rest of the movie that it just seemed jarring uh, almost like you were watching a different movie um the one thing i I can say about this movie that I did enjoy basically any movie this guy does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, phenomenal actor, uh, especially physically wise. He lost a lot of weight for this movie. It looks mm-hmm. like um, dude, dude's physical performances are always fantastic. No matter really what movie he's in. Um, granted, I never watched all the Harry Potters, so I can't tell you about his physical performance other than Expelliosa. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's great. Yeah, I'm actually really glad that Daniel Radcliffe has a career after Harry Potter, you know, Um, I mean, even more so than Emma Watson, which before Harry Potter ended, everyone thought would be like the bigger go to actor of the three main Harry Potter actors. Um, She probably could be, too, if she uh, actually went for it. But but yeah, yeah, I I don't know. But I mean, with Swiss Army Man, Imperium, uh, this uh, I'm sure there's a whole bunch more that I'm just missing right now, but he he's oh, got a yeah. really solid career going for him, and I'm I I like that he's doing smaller independent movies too, and not just going mm-hmm. for for you they know fit. blockbusters. They fit for what he seems to want to do. Absolutely, yeah, and, and he's he's a he's a pretty good actor too. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I I know w- with Harry Potter he was kind of struggling with alcoholism at that point, so yeah. he wasn't at his his best. And you can definitely tell in Harry Potter when he's kind of drunk and and he he wasn't he wasn't that great of an actor in harry potter uh but he's really turned it around i think he's sober now not that you know that always has something to do with talent but he seems to have his life together and i'm i'm glad that he's uh you know turned things around i actually didn't know any of that so yeah he 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 uh at a young young age was struggling with alcoholism and uh he said he doesn't remember filming a lot of Harry Potter because he was just wasted the whole time. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would be too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> uh, what else do we have here? Uh, I think I go on to say about the end credits kind of reveal that uh, Carl was kind of a, a bad guy. 
Mm-hmm. Also, this movie did a really, I, I wouldn't say really good job, but a pretty good job of making you feel like Carl wasn't a bad guy until, you know. Yeah, that was a really good, I mean, even then I feel like he probably didn't have, um, you know, malicious intent. He probably yeah. was just trying to be a tour guide mm-hmm. uh, and just not doing it as legally as he probably should have and uh him and marcus you know disappearing was probably more of just uh ineptitude than it was you know malicious intent yeah i mean obviously we'll never know but mm-hmm. uh, i did i did enjoy the fact that they didn't really paint him to be the bad guy he was kind of just a guy yeah in fact i kind of liked him more than i liked kevin who who were supposed to be rooting for kevin at the end yeah uh, and i mean you do in a way turn around and start rooting for him um mainly so he can find <clears throat> daniel radcliffe's character and as much as we've been like trashing this movie it's not a terrible movie no, no it's not. um it's just when it's a, a mediocre movie it's easier to point out flaws than it is positives. I think positives, uh, Daniel Radcliffe did a pretty good job with what he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director, Greg McLean, who actually directed Belko Experiment, um, I think other than the flashbacks and dream sequences, he had a pretty good vision for what he wanted. And it seems like this probably just fell apart in the editing room, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not a terrible movie. It's just it could have been so much more, especially with the the uh, Amazonian jungle backdrop. There's so many great movies that use that backdrop um, that I mentioned earlier, and yeah. uh, um, the Lost City of Z is another one where it's just you know extremely compelling and and keeps you interested the whole time. And this just seemed like. It was trying. It didn't have a lot of the character development that Castaway had that made Castaway great, which is another survival movie. Yeah. Um. It just he he didn't seem to grow in the time there was. Granted, Tom Hanks in Castaway was gone for four years, and this he was only gone for like two three weeks. Um, but it's still just something that you know was was very apparent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to, it's not really a flaw. I wish this movie had pointed out, uh, more of Marcus's point of view too. That way we yeah. could feel like we could root for him a little bit, like more. Yeah. They kind of made him look like a little bitch at, at some points, which I mean, he, like what he was going through was very, or wait, did it, not Marcus, my bad. Well, yeah, they, that character. Yes, he did. They did point out in the beginning of the movie that like, oh, he's like somebody I've never met before. And then. Turns out to kind of be a little bit of a little bitch. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, but, not, I'm not trashing it. It's just the way they portrayed him in the movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I meant Kevin. I wish they had uh, kind of gave a little more about him. I know they mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, what happened to Kevin? Maybe that kind of point of view for the mm-hmm. uh, the audience. But it, it more or less, I think it would have been better if they had done more with Kevin instead of just... Um, yeah, like kind of going back between the two. Yeah, yeah. That way, and even like just having more development for him in the beginning, because uh, when they start going down river with Carl, who's the the German tour guide, um, he just starts yelling at Carl for not driving a raft correctly, and you're just like, why are you yelling at him? Like, it, mm-hmm. you find out later that he, you know, grew up on 
river rapids and stuff like that and knows how to navigate them. But during that time when he's just yelling at Carl, you're just like, shut up, Kevin. Yeah. Listen to the tour guide. I mean, you find out he was right later on, but like during it, you're just like, what are you doing? That that whole scene was like, why is he being such a dick right now? Yeah, really? He Um, even said like, let's not go on the river. But when like they were on the river, he was yelling at him, even though like he had told them, hey, I don't want to be on the river. Yeah. Like that just makes you to be an asshole. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 all the way the movie portrayed it. I'm sure it wasn't exactly the way it actually was in real life, but again, I don't mean want to make it seem like I'm tearing the movie apart. It was overall it was it was an okay movie. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean could have done better. Yeah. A little bit. Carl, what are you doing? The only guy who knows where we are and what we're going to do, and he just walked away. Carl! Stop! Follow the right. river! Kevin! You have a map, and the people are coming to save you. All you have to do is keep going. Shall we move on? We shall move on. Let's move on. Two, they shall not grow old. I was 16 years old and my father allowed me to go. I was just turned 17 at the time. I was 16. I was 15 years. When they came to us, they were frightened children and had to be made into soldiers. Yeah, boys, here it comes. We're in the pictures. <laughs> I gave every part of my youth to do a job. A documentary about World War I with never-before-seen footage to commemorate the uh, centennial of the end of the war. Uh, directed mm. by Peter Jackson, you know, of Lord of the Rings and King Kong fame. Mm, dead and alive. So and so forth. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's go on and get right into this, shall we? Um, uh, I, uh, I picked this because I knew you, you were, you're a fan of history. You I like am. To, uh, you like to conjure up the memories of past. I do. <laughs> Um, I actually, I, uh, I, I, I was actually really excited to see this cause, uh, you probably know, but some of our listeners may not know. Uh, I worked on a documentary, um, with world war two archive footage, mm-hmm. um, that is playing at the Memorial de Cannes in, in Cannes, France. That's C A E N, not C A N N E S. Uh, it's pronounced the same for some reason. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but, uh, that's, uh, in Normandy, it's essentially a museum in France that, uh, 
it plays this movie for the next 20 years and I have not seen it on the nine screens it's supposed to be showing on. Um, Cause you know, like not everyone can afford to go to France all the time. Yeah, you'll get there. You'll get to see yeah, I'll get there eventually. Um, but yeah, that this just kind of brought back a lot of memories of that. Uh, good and bad. So Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had specifically picked this for you, but also I am a, uh, I wouldn't say big fan, but I'm a fan of uh, World War One and Two stuff myself. I don't, I'm not really a fan of most other things, but I was really looking forward to this, and mm-hmm. uh, I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. I felt like the um, it it begins with you know pre-war stuff. So the footage was partially, uh, you know, taken and uh, colorized and they added sound effects and uh, ADR and all that. Um, and th- that was for any time that they were actually in battle. But the everything leading up to the battle and after the, the uh, everything leading up to the war, excuse me, and uh, after the war um, was in black and white. And that I felt like it they in a way they kind of took too long to get to the actual colorized yeah, parts just because you and not because like what they were selling what saying wasn't compelling but you advertise it as uh the colorization of archive footage and then you take a very long time to actually get to it um, it was like what 15 maybe 20 minutes yeah 15 to... 20 minutes but uh and it, it was 15 20 minutes of voiceover interviews from world war one veterans um without any uh music or anything so it just felt very long yeah um and then it it got more produced after you know they went to war and uh it became colorized and had the sound effects and even if they just added like music behind in the in the beginning 20 so minutes yeah i feel like that would have added to it but it was just it just was very silent and felt more like a you know a high school documentary than anything at that point Mm -hmm. Um, no, I could, I could definitely see that. Um, where I thought that actually worked was it was nice to see that it was black and white when they were like kind of doing everyday things and like leading up to the actual war. And then once they actually got to the war, that's when it all turned into colorization. Um, and I thought that was, a I thought that was very awesome to do, uh, because I guess it, it kind of made real life kind of seemed bland and then once they actually got to the war everything kind of highlighted into this all these events and stuff like that and then they did the same thing at the end of the movie where once they got back to real life everything went to black and white and nobody seemed to be able to get jobs and stuff like that and it just seemed very again once again mundane so I, i thought it worked well i could definitely see the pacing being a little uh saddening for that mm-hmm but uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed that. Um, also, the music that would have probably been nice. He yeah. Peter Jackson explained why he didn't do that, but uh, it probably would have been good to put something something at least into yeah. it. And um, the uh, I, I think you were saying it was in your uh, screening as well. In my screening, they showed like a, a thirty minute. Uh, yeah, behind the scenes thing. documentary afterwards and they uh, showed a lot about how they cleaned up the footage and I thought mm-hmm. that was really interesting um, 
it's <laughs> in in that in that documentary he was talking about how they got the sounds mm-hmm. for a lot of the stuff and uh peter jackson kind of being the smart ass he is he was talking about how they got the sounds for the world war one cannons and he was like i've got my collection of world war one yeah, artillery as, as you, you do, do. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, that was just that was so funny yeah we um, both laughed at that too that was really yeah. funny and and it's uh I, I feel like he did a really good job of kind of, you know, putting emotion into this and, and using interviews because the interviews he had were taken maybe 50, 60 years later for for mm-hmm. the individuals that they were interviewed. It was a range because you could tell in the quality of the sound uh, which ones were older and, and whatnot. Um, but especially in the uh, explanation of the actual battle in, in no man's land and, and, you know, running into the Germans and barbed wire and just seeing your friends mowed down. That entire mm-hmm. sequence was extremely powerful. You know, they use silence. And, uh, one thing that they talked about showing, uh, in, in the behind the scenes documentary is when they were talking about people dying, they would show footage that you saw earlier of people like having a good time and then cut to a dead body, uh, to show that like some of those people died and, and because they had shown those faces earlier, uh, and I, I felt this worked well, Peter Jackson said they did that. So it felt like you knew them. And that well, was uh, that was really uh, impactful, in my at, opinion. At first, I didn't like that. And then once he explained it after the end, I was like, OK, no, I now I get that now. OK, yeah. I like that now. I mean, um, I, I, I kind of ha- I had an idea what he was going for. Yeah. Um, um, to well, me, I, I was like, are they really like at the moment? I was like, are they really just using old footage again and not completely thinking about it until he explained it? I'm like. Uh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Like, uh, if you're not thinking about that, for me, I, I was watching this with a editor's eye, just trying to think yeah. of like what an editor would be thinking. Um, so I, I was kind of like looking out for symbolism like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of, I don't. Know, it's it's whenever they show archive footage of dead bodies in anything, it always kind of feels like a little gratuitous to me. Um, real dead bodies, not like, you know, if if it's for a movie or whatever, but like, I don't know, it just, it seems so unnecessary, um, and somewhat disrespectful. Um, and I know he wasn't trying to be disrespectful and no one's trying to be disrespectful when they do that, but it's, yeah, in my personal opinion, I like in a movie I was doing, I would never do that just because I don't want to say I would never do it. I would like, I would try to show like just the feet down or whatever, or, or what have you. But like, I would do everything I could to not show the faces. Um, I think that, um, as much as it like is disrespectful, uh, I don't want, I'm not going to sit here and say they signed up for it, but, uh, I think, I think it, works just to show you the power and what happens of war yeah Um, in in that sense it's good but i will say i and of course back then there was no possible real way they could have done it but uh if they would have been like showing the name of the soldier uh and kind of like giving him his respects for it yeah um obviously they're like hey here's private adams or something like this uh rest in power friend or just, just, 
yeah. just uh, something. But no, I, I I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's just a personal opinion. It's, it's not enough for me for it to deter me away from a movie. Yeah. Um, but there's just a lot of documentaries that do that, and I know they're just trying to show like the the horrors of war and everything, mm-hmm. and um, you know. It, Especially it, back then when it was yeah, straight horror. I, I think it also has something to do. I just finished watching the Ted Bundy tapes, oh, and yeah. they do that not to the same extent, but they do that a little bit in Ted Bundy tapes. It's definitely worse when they were like a victim of murder. Yeah, because it's like you. We already know Ted Bundy is a piece of shit. We already know he's a terrible person. You don't need to show me what he did and and show that poor woman's face. Understandable. And, and it's just. Yeah, it's but a lot. Uh, it's a lot yeah. to handle. Yeah, and um, I I did really enjoy how this was more of an emotional retelling of history rather than just like an educational. Yeah, um, like I I would never take everything that was said in this as one hundred percent fact. Um, but it was it was f- interesting to see you know f- first person accounts of uh, what had happened, and especially with like the years. Um, with years having gone by, uh, you there's more of a uh, a separation from it. So, um, they kind of looked back on it more fondly. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least the good parts, and then the bad parts. You could tell that they they still had some struggles with. Um, but it was it was nice to see an emotional retelling of it. Yeah. Um, I really I'm I'm sure they might, but I really hope when uh this movie actually does come out. Uh, on like DVDs or something that uh, they keep the Peter Jackson interview at the end in mm-hmm. because it was he really did a great job of explaining why he did the things that he did and yeah uh, why he did certain things. Um, what was I about to say? Oh my god, I blanked out as soon as I started. What did you just say? Uh, I was talking about the emotional retelling. Oh yes. All right. So he was saying. Um, at one point that he, okay, my computer just shut down. There we go. We still alive? Yeah, yeah I can still hear you. Whoa. Okay. Anyway, what, <laughs> <laughs> what is happening to me? I don't know. Anyway, what, uh, what he was saying, he's, he wanted this to be done, uh, through not a historian's eyes and like you telling all the facts. He wanted this to be somebody who who really enjoyed the history of it and really just wanted to tell his version, not version, but like his, his passion of it. Yeah. Uh, that went way longer than I yeah. wanted it to. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was, when I was watching this, I was thinking a lot about the, uh, Vietnam war. Um, as you may know, the Vietnam war was the first war to really be televised in newsreels. Um, mm-hmm. just cause the technology was advanced enough then. And because of that, people saw, you know, all the terrible things that soldiers were doing on orders. And there's controversy around that. They some people blamed the soldiers, even though it wasn't really their fault. They were just following uh, orders. And, you know, they went through just as terrible things. But back in World War One and World War Two and stuff like that, they had sketchings and like you could just tell how much propaganda all the sketchings were and and it was just it glorified everything and and demonized the germans um Mm -hmm. who comparatively to world war ii were not as bad in world war one uh yeah (laughs) um and 
it just I found a lot of even though it was for you know the the side of the allies which was the american side it just kind of felt disgusting seeing all the propaganda and and just seeing mm-hmm. I, I i'm kind of glad that we live in a, a time that's more aware of that um now than it was then just so we can you know see propaganda and just be oh yeah that's propaganda that's can, uh can you imagine the civil war then oh it's it's probably terrible <laughs> absolutely terrible yeah <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, the uh, you know, the people people are jerks. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. <laughs> when they come to drawing things, people are jerks. Yeah, they are. Um, man, <laughs> I, I, I love the part they were talking about the. And uh, again, it was in Peter Jackson's behind the scenes interview thing. Uh, they were talking about how you could see. Um, people learning what a video camera was in real time. Oh, yeah, like yeah. They, they would pose for it like it was a camera, like a photo camera, and then and just, just like, like, oh, I need to do awkwardly. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was, you know, that, that was kind of fun to watch. You could tell when that was happening. Um, in the more, you know, depressing parts of that, there is a, there's one scene in particular where there's just people walking uh, along the, uh, I don't know. They're ju- they're just walking in a bunch of British soldiers, and there's this like young kid, probably couldn't uh, be yeah. more than like eighteen, nineteen, and he just looks so shell shocked. Mm-hmm. And he might not have been, but just like he looked like it. Um, yeah, he might have yeah, just they, been they like really tired. They weren't and confused, walking in but, a trench or anything. It was like a. It was just they were just walking, and uh, it, it, you come across all this just battered wasteland, and then there's like yeah broken up trees and then this kid's just staring at this camera for more than two minutes straight yeah it's like he's just focused on this camera Mm -hmm. and it's it's really kind of heartbreaking because you're just like i i could only imagine what was going through his mind but Mm -hmm. like it that that was kind of haunting to me just seeing him walking and like no one else is really focused i mean they'll glance at the camera but no one's really focusing on the camera uh, except for him and that was just really it just it got to me. <laughs> there, there was only one other instance where I felt like I mean, obviously you feel super bad for all these dudes because most of them they didn't survive. Yeah. Um, and it was towards the end of the movie where it's just a, a group of people kind of just sitting down, and then they use they use the shot a lot towards the end. And there's just one dude just kind of like staring at the camera, and he just yeah, it, it, Peter Jackson was saying that like uh, it was the footage right before they all basically died. It was like after like an hour that all those dudes were pretty much dead. Oh yeah. Uh, and in, in the, uh, I forget what he called he, it, but it was like the, the high road, not the high road, it, it um, was, trench road or something like that. It was or, something, but, uh, it was, you can like, there's all these people that they know they're about to die. Yeah. Um, and there's just one dude specifically who's just basically accepting it. <laughs> he's, yeah. Uh, he doesn't he's, look great. He's like terrified. And, yeah. Yeah. That, that was really, it really impacts. This movie's really good at impacting you. Yeah. Or documentary. And he said it was like the the last 30 minutes of their life. That's mm-hmm. that was uh, uh. That's 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 crazy to think about. Yeah, it really is. Um Can I just say it's really hard writing notes in the dark? Uh I didn't write notes until I got home, which yeah. wasn't a good idea, but uh cuz it basically I just wrote down all the things that 
I was like, yeah, this was really good. This was really yeah. good. This was really good. This was really good. <laughs> uh, I mean, the the one thing I can say is that it's it's really hard to take a bunch of archive footage that may or may not be related and then edit it in a way where it feels related. And I, I think uh, Peter Jackson and his crew did a really good job at that, at, at oh, com- compiling all this footage into a uh, compelling story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the yeah. only... The only real thing I kind of I kind of wish they would have done is like showed uh, kind of like what their goal was in the trenches. Like we knew what they were doing in the trenches. We knew that they were in France, but it would have been kind of nice to see what was happening like on the other side of it too. Uh, obviously, they couldn't do that with the archive footage because who, who's going to go over there and like footage that? Um, I mean, the Germans. I, I don't know if they did for then, but there's a bunch of archive footage for Germans in World War Two. Yeah, I mean, um, it would have been nice, like what they were doing there and where what they were trying to do unless i'm just being stupid um unless like it slipped my slipped my mind you know yeah i i couldn't tell you i mean (laughs) eh, whatever yeah i mean obviously we knew what the ultimate goal was now but if you're watching it you kind of want to know what what they were there for. What the Germans were just, there for or the British people? No, both, like, both of them. What were they firing back and forth for? For, like, years. Yeah. Well, I mean... I don't know. Again, I might just be... It started right with the uh, assassination of uh, Franz Ferdinand, if that's what you're talking about, and then uh, was kind of part of a revolutionary thing. Uh, England backed Serbia, who... Uh, the Serbia... Uh, rebellion or whatever were the ones that assassinated Franz Ferdinand. Um, other than that, I don't know much about why, um, but essentially Germany declared war on England because they were backing Serbia. Um, I, okay. I don't know if that answers your question, but... <laughs> uh, listen, I'm, I'm just I'm kind of being blank right now. Um, <laughs> I think you and I both are. Uh, well, I, I did also want to say that I'm glad they did go with the trench soldiers uh, stories because uh, it's it's not something I feel like we see or can respect often for what happened yeah. and all the crazy things that they had to do to survive. And not mm-hmm. only that, but like the conditions that they had to go through um, that were terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. They kind of um, got overshadowed by World War Two, yeah. um, <laughs> which is a shame. And I was thinking how like awesome it would be to see all the other like branches of the military that could have been done. I mean, I would like to see Peter Jackson do that. Yeah, but, well, he, I mean, he talked about doing like the Navy and the submarines and yeah. And he, um, he said he had all this footage for the other things, but he wanted to go with the trench soldiers. Yeah, who knows? Would, maybe he will. I mean, that would be nice, but I mean, I don't know how many four-year projects he wants to go through. I mean, he has all the footage restored now so i mean it could be a lot easier for him yeah to do so but uh, if he wants to or not that's uh, obviously up to him mm-hmm. but I, I would love to see all the other perspectives as well yeah uh after i got out of this movie i was like well i want to see some more yeah i really want to see some more now
There was a job to be done, and you just got on and did it. All right, shall we move on to The Judgment? I think so. All right. Let's talk about Jungle first. Um, So with Jungle, uh, it could have been so much better, I feel. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just fell flat in a lot of places, Uh, mainly with character development. I feel like that was its its biggest detriment to itself was its uh, lack of character development. So uh, everything considered, I'm going to say no. This will not go on the shelf. Oi, oi, oi. Sorry, Harry Potter. You know, he probably gets drunk because he gets called Harry Potter a lot. And I feel bad. <laughs> um, I, I really did uh, like Daniel Radcliffe in this movie. But however, uh, in, if they would have from the get-go say this was based on a true story instead of waiting till the end where like then that's where it kind of changes your, your perspective on it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would have had more of an interest. But overall, I was not. I mean, if, if it helps you be at ease i knew it was a it was based on a true story going in and it didn't really help too much yeah i mean at the end well that's that's the thing at the end it did change my perspective at least a little bit and like okay okay, i can't give this guy too much shit but uh but that the whole time if i would have known from the get-go it was a true story i wouldn't have been so harsh on it during the movie okay yeah that's fair um i'm i'm not gonna I'm not going to chase skirts around here. It's going to definitely be a no for me, but I'm just saying <laughs> it would have been yeah. nice to see a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a uh, negative. All right. Well, that's a no for jungle. Let's talk about they shall not grow old. Okay. Well, here's the thing with uh, documentaries. Um, for me, if I really enjoy it and I want to see it again, it's obviously Especially with a document, more than movies, I will definitely say yes to the shelf. Because if it, it makes me want to watch it again, then I will definitely be happy to put it on the shelf. Uh, usually with other movies, like, uh, oh yeah, I'd watch that movie again. Uh, but overall, it was just good. Documentaries kind of get like a two times. They're like, oh, I'd watch that again. So it's definitely going on the shelf. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> that makes it tough for me. Um, Oof. yeah, because I felt like the beginning really took me out of it. Um, on one hand, is this is a technological, you know, advancement that precedes like any kind of film colorization before it. Um, oh, did I say that he did restore all of the footage? Or yeah, did you he, did. Did he say that? I, I, I don't. Said that. I, you said it. I don't know if he said it. He restored um, all of that footage. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, I just the 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 overall editing of it for the most part, you know, didn't impress me too much. Um, especially in the beginning, I f- found myself kind of fidgeting and and not really being interested. And then once it got going, I got into it. Uh, but you know. This is a technological achievement and should be regarded as such. Uh, you know what? I'll say yes, just because the the Ooh, the, the feet it is. Um, I, I wish it was you know edited a little bit better. Um, at least in the, mainly in the beginning. The beginning is really the the part that really kind of took me out of it, and I feel like if they just 
did something to pick up the pace of the beginning, then it'd be better. But understandable. Yeah. I understand yeah. where you're coming from. So, Jungle does not make it on. They shall not grow old. Does make it onto the Keystone Film Review shelf. Next week, we got two more movies. Glenn, what's your movie for next week? All right. So I know that I was going to pick one, but I didn't. And uh, you may think that I'm going to pick it, but I'm not. So I'm going to switch it over to something else. It's going to be on Hulu. Or not, Jesus Christ. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. And it's, I believe, an Amazon Prime original. Uh, But it's going to be called Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Uh-huh. Directed by Gus Van Sant, uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Jonah Hill, and Rooney Mara. I've already seen this. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm excited to watch it again and talk about it. So, okay. Uh, far, to be far. honest, I saw Jack Black was in it, and that's where it got me hooked. You want to talk about what, it, what it's about? <clears throat> no. Um, no. <laughs> included with your Prime membership, ooh. <laughs> On the rocky path to sobriety after a life-changing accident... John Callahan discovers the healing power of art, willing his injured hands into drawing edgy, hilarious, often controversial cartoons, which bring him a national following and a new lease on life. Mm-hmm. Wow. That does sound like the movie I watched. Damn. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even check to see if you watched. I was just like, yeah, oh. it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I'll, I'll say now I I enjoyed it. I don't remember how much I enjoyed it though, so we'll see. Maybe I'll, having seen it a second time, it'll it'll sway it either way. Um, but uh, my movie. So this movie this week we watched Jungle, which was uh, a movie about uh, a man wandering around the Amazon jungle, and it was kind of disappointing. Yeah. And you know what? I've been thinking about having this movie on here for a very long time. And I talk about it a lot, talked about it in this podcast. Uh, so on Amazon Prime, you can watch Embrace of the Serpent. Ooh, there it is. Or El Abrazo de la Serpentina, Serpiente. That's what it is, Serpiente. <laughs> uh, directed by Kiro Guerra and starring Niblio Torres, Antonio Balivar, Jan Bijovet. B- Bijovit, Bijovit, uh, something, something Norwegian or whatever, and Brion Davis. Uh, it is the story of the relationship between Karamakate, an Amazonian shaman and, and the last survivor of his people, and two scientists who work together over the course of forty years to search for the Amazon, to search the Amazon for a sacred healing plant. Uh, I'm excited for you to watch this. Look at um, all these jungle movies. We got uh, Jungle Book, <laughs> Jungle, Embrace of the Serpent. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> I mean, I like I like movies about exploration and and jungles and mainly two cultures colliding is what I like, uh, which is why I like Embrace of the Serpent. Um, I'm not going to tell you whether or not I believe it should go on, even though people pro- could probably ascertain. Um, but uh, yeah, Embrace of the Serpent is my movie. Uh, I'm actually excited to see this because we were going to see this way back in the day um, in theaters. Yeah. So it's it's nice to uh, finally see that this is going yeah, to Yeah, I think I think it just it, it got it, I guess it came and went before we could actually like make time to go see it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that shall do it for this week. Next week's movies. 
Don't worry, he won't get far on foot and embrace of the serpent. That's it for now, I guess. This was a terrible outro. Do you have anything to say, Gwen? <laughs> um, we're on Facebook and stuff. Oh, I- yes, yes. You can follow us, as always, <laughs> on Instagram at Keystone underscore film underscore review. Facebook at Keystone Film Review. Uh, on Letterboxd, I am at Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that shall do it for this week. This was a much better outro. There you go. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.